Hello and welcome to the Uplifted Podcast. I'm your host, Corey. Thankfully, you guys are here listening to the show. Um, thankfully, you guys have submitted some questions and uh, with the new format, it kind of opened up the spectrum of what we can talk about. This will be coming out on Father's Day, so I want to say, first of all and foremost, to all those fathers out there, have a wonderful day. And with the subject matter of what we're going to talk about today, it will apply. Uh, we're going to talk about kids and anxiety. And some of the stuff that I've learned over the years, uh, my son has uh, dealt with anxiety. And so not only have I dealt with it on a personal level, I've also dealt with it as a father and a parent. And me and my wife currently, you know, are teammates when it comes to helping our son with anxiety. Now, our daughter, she has it from time to time, but it's more of a, a normal scope where it's just worrisome about certain things. But our son uh, definitely is more like me where it's uh, it's definitely like an anxiety thing. And another question that I had gotten recently is about self-diagnosis versus clinical diagnosis. I know enough to say, yeah, he probably has anxiety. Now, if it continues to escalate and get a little bit worse, we're probably going to take him in to get some testing done and talk to a professional. But right now it's, it's manageable as a group. And so, um, as we'll talk about today, um, we'll talk about some of the things that we're doing as a team to help him get through this because it's super important that you are a team, uh, you and your significant other, or if you have support in your life, it's nice to have them help you out and get on board. It's, it's not something you should shy away from and, and, and not tell people. It's something that, uh, the more people you have, like I say on the show, uh, and your scavenger hunt, the better, more successful you're going to be in managing your anxiety. Then we're going to talk about a success story. Um, what I'm going to do in the show here is, is share a success story where, either myself or someone else that has shared with the show a time where they were able to overcome a situation in which it was normally super um, anxiety ridden for them. And I want to share some of those because what can happen with uh, mental health is that we get so uh, down in the trenches and we get so deep and dark that we forget to look at the positive things. So I want to share some of that stuff and let you know about some of the times that for me that were, I'm going to, today I'm going to do one about myself, but um, and for people that share with the show, the times that we've been able to climb over the mountain or push through, swim up current, whatever you want to call it, because as I say a lot, it's, it only takes a little bit of a spark to, to, uh, brighten a dark room. And if you're in the trenches right now and really struggling with your anxiety, it's good to have something to hold on to like hope, knowing that you may be able to relate to a story when someone was, um, pushing through and they, they survived, which, you know, if you're listening to this on a live, you got a hundred percent success rate. So you're doing pretty good. Um, I'm going to share a story that, um, I, I really struggle with MRIs. And if you know anything about me, I've had, you know, 13 or 14 major surgeries. I don't, I don't have lost count now, but, um, I've had a lot of MRIs and x-rays and CT scans and stuff like that. Um, being claustrophobic, I really struggle with that. And so I'm going to talk about a time that I was able to overcome, uh, a situation where I was really, really anxious. And hopefully that give you some hope that it's possible because I remember that it didn't feel possible. Then we're going to go over some training. I'm going to talk about what I'm doing currently um, and why. I think it's important to know why you're training and what's the purpose behind um, your lifting. I'm actually working on a, a seminar when we can get back to being around some three-dimensional people. Um, that's called Lifting with Purpose. And it's actually for uh, high school students that are looking to go to play college sports. And it's called lifting with purpose. Why are you 
in the gym, you know, doing lateral raises for your shoulders. It really doesn't make sense if you're going to play college sports. You might look good in a swimsuit, but um, if it's trying, you're trying to apply it to uh, something in your life. And for us, you know, being a 42 year old dad, I want to be able to play with my kids, and that's why I train. But I'm going to get into some of the stuff I'm doing today, why I'm doing it, and what it looks like. So, back to kids with anxiety, and uh, for you guys that are listening here, it's going to be a significant part of the show. Um, this was a season one question that um, I actually continue to get to this day, and so I wanted to revisit it and go over some of the stuff I talked about, and then again, give you guys some ideas and thoughts on what we can do to help our kids with anxiety and, you know, hopefully get them to a point where they're able to self-manage and, you know, they're going to need our help for quite a while, but we can teach them to think and deal with emotion and process emotion. So first of all, being that it is Father's Day, I want to kind of talk about my approach to being a dad. And this is something I got from Andy Andrews, and you guys will probably already know what I'm going to say if you've been listening to the show for a while. Um, uh, three main areas of focus for me as a dad is I try to teach my kids how to think rather than what to think. And it's going gonna, it, it's gonna to be pretty difficult to shift that if you haven't yet. Um, we want to keep our kids safe. We want to keep them um, out of pain and sometimes what we do is we try to force them to think a certain way and to do certain things which can kind of take away from their individuality and try to be something that they're really not you know we got to love people where they're at but if we can teach them how to think and what i mean is when they're struggling kind of keep asking questions about well what do you what are you feeling right now and how does that make you feel it, once they give you an answer that was just a quick so what are you feeling What's the emotion? And, and try to keep it down to about five emotions because the, the simpler you can be, the easier it's going to be for you to help. So let's say they're saying, I'm scared. And they'll be like, well, all right, well, what are you scared about? And sometimes you're going to have to pull this out of them. Um, but if they tell you what they're scared about, then don't try to downplay it because it's very real for them. And this is something that I kind of struggle with too because, you know, I'm 42 and my kid's 10. Well, what seems scary to him is going to be very small in my mind. Now, it's not that um, I, I'm not empathetic or compassionate. It's just, you know, it's kind of like, oh, well, at least it's not something major. And that's just a gut reaction as a parent. It's like, well, when your kid comes with you and they're crying, what you want to do is get them out of pain. And sometimes it seems like it's going to be something huge when it's really just like, well, they're, you know, I thought I saw something in my closet or something like to that, you know, that their imagination is crazy right now as kids. And, side stories that's that's something we lose throughout our life um but as kids we were able to paint these beautiful pictures in our mind and what i'm hoping to do with some of this stuff is is save you some time and so ask a lot of questions first and foremost teach them how to think through what's going on and more than likely you're going to know where you need them to go so don't just give them the answer if you take it incrementally and step by step they're going to learn a process of developing that when you're gone because what happens to kids is their inner voice becomes the voice that we approach them with. Now, that's scary for me at times because I'm not always really good at it. Um, my face says one thing where my mind and my heart are saying a different thing. And that's that's an inherited trait and that's just something that I've had to work through where if I look cranky but it's just because I'm thinking, I need to be aware of that because when my kid comes to me, and he's fearful, and I got a scowl on my face, that's not very approachable. 
So no matter how frustrated, no matter how late, no matter the timing, make sure you're open to them coming to you with something because there will be a point that they're going to be like, well, he's just mad when I go to him. They're going to stop coming to you and they're going to stop sharing and then they're going to bottle it up. And, you know, it's like filling a water balloon. The more emotion that you bottle up, the bigger the water balloon is going to get, going to get and eventually it's going to burst. That's the same thing that happens to a child that is not able to express emotion, not able to process emotion, and not able to think how, excuse me, they're not able to learn how to think and not what to think. That's what I'm trying to say. I got stuck in my own words there. <laughs> so, you know, keep asking questions, be patient, be open, be empathetic, be compassionate, and try not to downplay what they're feeling because it's very, very real to them. And so, you know, one thing that I, getting back to the creative space in a child's mind is what kind of picture do I need to paint? Is something that you need to ask yourself. You know, for kids, we have to paint these pictures in broad brushstrokes um, and, and try to be as detailed as possible. And so what I mean by that is, is start big, like what's the emotion and use the five they are the most common emotions, you know, sad, happy, fearful, and two others that relate to you and your, your child, and it can be subjective, so um, whatever they need to be, and then start broad, and then get more detailed, be like, well, why are you afraid? And my kid just came into my room at three o'clock in the morning the other night, and it was storming, so I, I knew, and so I was like, so what, what are you, like, and I was half awake, which is, that was never a good thing, but I'm like, so what are you thinking about? And he's like, well, it feels like somebody is trying to break into the house. So he's worried about other people. And so I kept asking questions. I'm like, well, do you think if somebody comes in the house that they're going to be able to get through me to you? And he kind of smiled. <laughs> and so you can use humor. And he's like, well, no. I'm like, well, somebody comes in, I'm going to take care of it. And he's like, well, okay. And I go, what else are you afraid of? He goes, I just don't like loud noises. And so for me, in my mind, that's a light bulb to say, if my, I get loud, he's immediately going to put up a wall and shut down a little bit because he doesn't like loud noises. And so the tone of my voice as well needs to be something that I am aware of. I'm not always aware of it because my voice does carry from time to time and it gets loud and I don't mean it to, but it does. And so I kind of have to patch things up at from time to time if I do come off the wrong way. Um, and so when the storm came, you know, I, I didn't leave until I knew he was okay. And so I just kept asking questions in that vein. Be like, well, what else do you have questions about? And I am half awake. And so I'm, I really want to get back to bed, but I, I do everything I can to make sure that I can mend that fear that he's feeling. And so we got him into bed and, you know, I, I like to scratch his hair. It's kind of what my mom used to do to me when I was worried and it kind of calms him down. And he was saying that, um, the lightning is really bright, so it wakes me up. And be like, dude, we watch Marvel movies. What do they say in Marvel movies? Or the Vikings, what do the Vikings say? It's just Thor banging his hammer. And so you relate it back and paint these pictures that are relevant to them. And so once we got onto the superhero movies, just it's like, just pretend it's Thor, you know, fighting the Hulk up in the sky. And so painting a picture that they can relate to, and you know your child best. And so broad brushstrokes into more detailed work it's going to help them create a story in their head much, much better than the story that they're telling themselves when they're afraid. And that can go for any emotion. Just make sure you're painting these pictures that they can keep in their head. And in turn, that's also 
going to give them a chance to learn how to think and not what to think. So the next one is create kids that grow up to be great adults. And that is more so on how they treat other people. And so as a dad, I'm, I'm, I do my best to, when they're in my presence, to treat people kindly with respect. I'm careful with the, the verbiage I use. Um, I, I don't swear for the most part in front of my kids. Every once in a while they hear it. And it's not usually um, one of the really bad swear words. It's like damn or, you know, just kids think swear words are worse than they really are. But like, I don't use the the really bad ones. Like, I, it's just a habit we've got into um, over the years because we don't swear at work. And so it's just something I don't do. But um, but how I talk about other people, I'm, if they're within earshot, I'm very careful and cognizant of that because not that I talk bad about people, but just I'm aware that they're hearing what I'm saying and trying to model the proper way to treat other people. And so as they grow up, they're going to be kind. They're going to be compassionate. They're going to be empathetic and they're going to genuinely care about other people and treat people equally. As I talked about in the last episode, racism and hate is not something you are born with. It's a learned trait. And we don't like do that in our house. We just, that's not how we are because we're normal, sane people. We don't hate people for the way they look or what they do or who they are, period. It's just not allowed in our household. And so I'm, I'm doing the best I can to formulate great adults. And I'm not always successful from day to day, but it is a process. It's just like healing from anxiety. You try to process these things and help your kids think through them, but also modeling trying to be that person that they see and be like, man, I want to be just like that person. They're, they're so nice to other people and so nice to me. That's the way to be. So create kids that will grow up to be great adults. And then lastly, this third one, and I just, I like simplifying things because you can expand on them. Um, teach them to identify and process their emotion, which also ties into number one, teach them how to think. But the emotional intelligence of, of a person really will reflect on how successful they are in life and success is subjective like my success has nothing to do with my bank account it just doesn't i never never will never has uh, it's just not how i am my um, success is in my relationships am i successful in what i'm doing in my relationships and how i'm treating people and relationships are anybody i interact with on a daily basis and so if i can teach my kids how to identify and process their emotions it's going to take care of two, which is also taking care of number one, which, you know, teach them how to think, not what to think, create kids that are going to be um, great adults. But what it's also going to do is when I'm not there and they're feeling something, they can be like, oh, I'm upset. I need to do this, 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 and this to not further escalate this situation. Oh, this is something I probably shouldn't do. And I know that I'm a little nervous. So that's my gut telling me I probably shouldn't do this. Oh, I'm sad and I'm, I'm upset at this person. Well, maybe I shouldn't say these things to hurt them back. And so teaching them how to identify and process emotions is going to you know, benefit them throughout their life, which is going to benefit their anxiety and just their general overall mental health. And so how do we tell that our child may have anxiety? This is another thing that we talked about um, last season and, you know, they have a desire to control people and events. They want things a certain way because that's when they feel safe. Um, you know, we have a little nightly ritual and it's, you know, multiple hugs and certain things that we say uh, that helps comfort 
my son. And, you know, I'm, it, it gets a little redundant and a little frustrating because um, it, it's very repetitive. And, you know, if you're tired yourself, it's very easy to just get upset. Um, but I, I have to put, pump the brakes and be like, okay, it's not for me. This is for him. And so we've narrowed it down to certain things and certain situations. And so if it gets to a point where it gets to be too much, you can bargain with them and be like, okay, we can do these things. We can do like three or four things. Which things can are you okay if we don't do before we go to bed? Because that gives them ownership and they're going to buy into it. So that's like how to mitigate some of the control stuff that comes with anxiety. Another way it presents itself, it's difficulty going to sleep, like I just said. Um, they're active, they're, they're fighting it, um, you know, and it's hard to tell with that one because sometimes kids just don't want to go to bed, especially if they're an active kid like I was. Like, man, I had a hard time going to sleep when I was a kid. But um, they also, another way it presents, it's they're, um, they feel agitated or angry. And they really may not know why. Um, there were certain times growing up that I still remember. I was just mad. I'm not a mad person by nature, but I didn't know why. And now I know why is because I was feeling anxious. Um, you get frustrated because you don't understand the way you're feeling because it is irrational and irrational stuff just makes you mad. Another one is defiance. Um, there's other, other uh, challenging behaviors that will pop up and there you like, you look at your kid and be like, man, why are they just not listening to me? <laughs> Another one is, um, they're having high expectations for themselves, including work and school. And so even if they get, you know, decent grades, but not great grades, they get a little bit of a perfectionist tendency. Another way it presents is avoiding activities or events. Um, there, there were times where there was things like a choir concert or um, even just going to school from time to time. He would be like, I don't want to go to this or I don't want to go to school tomorrow. And so that's that's him kind of unlocking the door to me to, for me to walk in and ask some questions. Right? It's, it's not that I try to fix it. You have to go. It's mandatory. I back up and I'm like, okay, well, he's putting up a little bit of a defense. What's going on? And what kind of a picture do I need to paint? Going back to what I talked about earlier. Um, they have phantom pains. And, and some of them can be real. You know, with anxiety, you get a little bit of an upset stomach. But pains like stomach aches and headaches. Tension headaches are very real. I suffered for them for, I suffered from them for a very long time. Um, you know, on top of chronic pain, I also had anxiety, and so I would grind my teeth. And to this day, I have to wear a night guard because I do it in my sleep. Um, they struggle to pay attention and focus. Now, you know, with me, this was a tricky one because I also had a little bit of an ADD tendency, and I still do. <laughs> and but with kids, like. That is something, and, and a lot of these are something you'll want to get diagnosed from a professional and not to self-diagnose. But this, these are going to be cues where you're going to be like, oh, maybe I need to bring them to talk to someone. There's nothing wrong with bringing your kid to talk to someone. You know, I grew up with a social worker in my house, so I was fortunate. And, you know, a very loving mother and father that, uh, you know, did the best they could. And they did really good because, uh, you know, I grew up to be able to cope and figure out my own anxiety. Yeah, I went to therapy three, three or four different times, but I got to a point where I was able to manage my stuff because my parents raised great adults. Um, intolerance of uncertainty. They want answers. And this is one that me and my wife struggle with too um, because like they want to know what we're going to do the next day and what time and like schedule, cadence. And my son is very routine. He's very habitual. 
And so he's like, can I play my Xbox tomorrow at noon? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I think so. Like, And then 10 minutes later, it's like, so I get to play tomorrow at noon, right? I'm like, yeah, I think so. And so that, that I think so is what's hit causing him some problems because he wants a little bit of certainty. And the next one is crying and difficulty managing emotions. And so that's what I, my my top three for my uh, parenting is is teaching them how to manage emotions because it will present itself as, you know, rare, uh, crying for no reason, uh, difficulty managing your emotions is something that's going to be a, a red flag for you to know, okay, then maybe they have some anxiety. Uh, this one's similar to the uncertainty. It's over planning for situations and events is, um, yeah, that's very self-explanatory. And lastly, it's um, feeling worried about situations or events. You know, obviously there's a certain point where kids are going to be nervous. Um, but if they, you know, stop in their tracks or they're get super emotional about doing something, you want to ask some more questions so you can help them navigate the certain situations that you need to help them navigate because you're the adult. Um, and you know, it's, it's okay if you lose your cool, but do that in a different room that your child is in. Um, you need to be a fixed point. You need to be a lighthouse in the storm. And it's difficult to do when it is as frustrating as it can be to deal with someone that is struggling with mental health, but it can be done. And the more information that you have on your side, the better off you're going to be. So, you know, use resources like podcasts, reading, um, work on yourself like you would hope um, that you could do to, to help your child uh, develop a morning routine of reading, you know, visiting your values, vis visiting your thoughts, tweaking your thoughts in real time, you know, learn how to process emotions yourself. That's something I still deal with. Like sometimes I'm just cranky for no reason or sometimes I'm super happy and nothing is different we're watching a movie and so like I have to kind of process that myself um, but do this daily and, and you know work on your beliefs beliefs are just thoughts on repeat that become part of you and investigate that stuff read books meditate exercise eat healthy all those stuff stuff things are going to benefit you as a parent so to recap the three things that I focus on mainly as a parent teaching kids how to think rather than what to think. I'm trying to create kids that will grow up to be great adults. And then I teach them to how to identify and process their emotions, which in turn is something I need to do myself. Teach myself how to think versus what to think. And with how polarized things are right now, that's super important. All of those three things are just as an adult even is just super important to um, get that, get on top of that. Um, in case you come in contact with someone that is spewing hate, right? Rather than meeting them back and mirroring their, that emotion, de-escalate, remove yourself, and move on. And that's all I'm going to get into for that one today. <laughs> Such a loaded thing right now, man. It's crazy. All right. So hopefully that helps out with kids and anxiety. Um, I, I kind of jump all over the place because it's something that is, you know, for... Um, frontal in our life that's right right in the upfront it's been going really good and um, I, I would think that it's something that he's going to be you know in a couple years here that he's going to be able to manage himself and hopefully that is the case if not i'll do whatever i can to help and any of you listening i will do the same for you so please reach out to the show um, i'm gonna be answering uh, more questions from previous years as well and 
I'm not sure which one I'm going to do next time. Uh, this episode will come out on Father's Day, like I said. I'm recording it a few days ahead of uh, Father's Day, but let me know. And now on to training. So currently, I am reevaluating my current training regimen. Um, last week, I did all five days of CrossFit. Um, I did some of the accessory functional lifting, and I have not been doing the running. Um, I did 30 days of running. What I found out is that you run 30 days every day um, in varying <laughs> paces and lengths. Uh, you're going to get better at running. That's about all I learned. Um, I did have a little bit of an issue with my Achilles, but that's because I've had total reconstruction on my right ankle and my gait is off. And so that was one thing I was working on was my gait. And, and your gait is just how you, um, your locomotion, right? How you move, how you walk, how you run. It's just, it's called your gait. But anyways, I, I had a little issue with a uh, little tendonitis in my Achilles. But other than that, um, we did a couple of CrossFit workouts last week that had some running in it. And I noticed that um, my running was a lot better. Like my lungs, uh, you know, felt good. Uh, it's still hard. <laughs> still hard to breathe in most CrossFit workouts, but that's that means you're doing it right. Um, but the only other thing I learned, I think, was that I can do a lot more than I thought I could. It's just something I never really tried just because of my hips. Um, you know, the constant pounding and repetitive uh movements or, or something that really inflame my hips. So I try, I tend to stay away from them. And that's why you'll see me doing uh, wall balls with a box, uh, when there's high volume squatting of any kind, any of the squatting movements, um, I'll use a box as well. Um, it just stops me from going too far down because if I go too far down, I'm going to just start on fire. Basically my whole body is just hot and I feel when I am in bed and I'll wake up in the middle of the night and be sweaty. And so it's just more of self-preservation. So yeah, that's about all I learned with that. And so I, I've taken that out of the mix. And what I'm going to try to do is lift in the morning with my accessory functional lifting work and then cross do CrossFit wads in the afternoon. Um, reason being that the accessory work as a former athlete and, and you know, a, a master athlete, I'm, like I said, I'm 42, um, it's going to fill in the gaps. Think of, you know, when you remove a nail from the wall, it's the putty. You're putting putty into the holes of your body, you know, on your shoulders, your elbows, your knees, your ankles, all of these singular movements that you don't do in a Metcon, metabolic conditioning, um, you're focusing on certain joints, but you're doing overall body work. So like something like a split squat with dumbbells, that's glutes. That's something I need a lot of work on. And so a movement like that, you know, then it's added on with lunges and then some sort of squatting movement. And so it's kind of hitting the whole posterior of my lower body. And what it's ha what has happened over time with doing those types of things is that my lower back has gotten a lot better. And filling in the putty of the weaknesses in my body has gotten me to a point where I'm, I feel more solid and not necessarily strong, um, but I, I can do uh, Cossack squats which is like you have a sumo squat and you kind of lean over. It's almost like a pistol, but it's like a wide split squat. If not, look it up, Cossack squats. That's probably not how you say it, but I'm Norwegian. I can't say anything. And so things like that, I'm noticing that I can actually do them now. I, I would still use a bench on a Cossack squat because that hits right in my hip joint. Um, but things like overhead, like I just did um, some push press and shoulder press and push jerks. Um, 
some of the movements that I do for functional lifting have filled in those gaps in my shoulder that I've, I, you know, and, and being someone that's had two neck fusions, I have shoulder issues, um, on the right side of my body, um, following the tract of, of my nerve, my C5, C7 is fused now. And so I have some shoulder weakness because of that nerve impingement. And so all the movements that I've been doing have, have filled that in and, and, you know, giving me some stronger shoulders. Um, I'm very, uh, I wouldn't say aware of going into a workout, how my body's feeling. Like I, I self, I self diag not diagnose, that's the wrong word, self-assess how I'm feeling. And there's certain movements in there. I'm like, well, I'm gonna have to ease off that. I'm gonna have to take that weight out. I'll try it here first. Um, like there was a burpee, a dumbbell burpee movement the other day. And so basically you do a burpee, you hold onto your dumbbells and you do a deadlift up, you know, and just stand up straight. Well, it was the day after I had done a bunch of lower body um, glute movements. And so I just got rid of the dumbbells after the first round. I'm like, that's just going to blow me up. And so I'm doing fitness to be a better human and to be able to do more with my kids. I'm not doing it to compete. You know, right now I don't have a goal to compete because there's no competitions going on. Um, that may change, but what I'm doing is like, okay, this is going to blow me up. I'm not going to do it, but I'm going to keep the speed up. So there's two ways to increase intensity in a workout. You can do things heavier or you can do things faster and in shorter time. So there's three, excuse me. <laughs> so you move heavier weight, a longer distance in a shorter amount of time is how you crank up intensity. And so all I did is I dropped the weights and I just went faster on my burpees than I normally would, which sucked because it was running and burpees. It was basically the whole workout. It was a 200 meter run and I think 10 or 12 burpees and I'm supposed to be done with the dumbbell. And so I knew going in, I'm like, I'm already a little tight. Um, I got loosened up. I take a good 10 minutes to warm up. Um, some days more than others. Some days I'll do it while I'm working is I'll, I'll just scoop my chair back and I'll get into a squat. Nobody's seen me yet so far. So hopefully, hopefully they don't pop back and, and see me here doing my little squatting stretches or, um, I have a stand up desk that I could push a button and it stands up and then I'll, I'll stretch out too because I'm, then I'm on my way home to work out. But, um, so accessory work, functional lifting. Um, if you're not quite sure what functional lifting is, it's multi-joint movements, um, that you focus on a certain area to, like I said, fill in those holes and putty those holes um, where you may be lacking in your body, which in turn is uh, giving me a more solid foundation to do CrossFit workouts. And I'm, I'm still going to use the word CrossFit because the company, yeah, that's a lot of the stuff that's going on is messed up, but the methodology is effective. And it may get to a point where we just call it functional fitness. I don't know. Um, it's just easier to call it CrossFit because everybody knows what it is, but man, what a crazy story coming out of there. And so what it's making me do is, is it's making me more solid to enjoy the main training method that I really enjoy. Um, before I was always have, have some sort of ding, some sort of aggravation in my body that I wasn't able to, to, uh, CrossFit the way I wanted to. And I think the other aspect that's important to talk about is, is when we do these hard workouts and we do hard things, it's mental repetitions as well to um, convince yourself that you can do things that don't seem possible. It doesn't seem possible to do 20 burpees and run and then pick up some barbells, but you can do it at your own pace. And that's how your mental health should work. A lot of this stuff may seem impossible and it may seem like there's no hope and it may seem like there's nothing you can do, but you can just rep it out one rep at a time at your own pace 
and still get a good mental workout in. And so what I've done is I figured out these things that I want to accomplish physically. And that's what my current training regimen is reflecting on. What are my goals? I'm going to do those things that get me to that point. I'm not going to do anything else. Now, obviously running wasn't getting me to that point. So I stopped running. It was actually a detriment right now, but I wanted to get better at running. So I dedicated, I'm like, I'm gonna do 30 days and just see what happens. Um, but now I'm going to try to lean out again. Um, which that's all nutrition. So that doesn't really have much to do with training. Yeah. I need to burn calories. And so the exercise is just, um, in addition to eating clean. Um, but physically, you know, I want to, I want to be able to do certain things physically, eventually probably try some more master's competitions once that comes back online. Um, but currently that's not my goal. My goal is to get a solid foundation. So where I can crank up some intensity. Now the functional lifting may drop off at some point, but right now I'm doing both one in the morning and one in the afternoon. So there you have it. I mean, I could talk all day about training and fitness, but, um, if you got any questions on the, sh on the show, just let me know anxietywad at gmail.com. I haven't changed it yet. I still got to get an email, but, uh, the website is up it's the up or it's upliftedpodcast.com or anxietywad.com. They're both parked. So it'll just take you to, um, the anxietywad website. That stuff will just be kind of hanging out there until I get it finished and switched over. I'm not quite sure what will happen if I change the URL, like if all the other episodes go away. I need to figure that out before I just change it, so I'm not going to do that. But yeah, anxietywad at gmail.com, upliftedpodcast.com. You can submit questions that way or hit me up at any of the um, social medias, the Uplifted Podcast uh, Facebook page or the Uplifted Podcast at Instagram. That's all for today, folks. Have yourself a peaceful morning, afternoon, or evening, and keep coming back. We're going to figure this out, I promise. We'll see you later.